Fellowship Church. This morning I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Please join me in prayer. Holy Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for it in written form and in Jesus, who teaches us to pray. Let our hearts be right before you. As I stand and pray with the congregation in the presence of all, we humbly seek to hallow your name and for your kingdom to come. Father, I just pray that your spirit would descend upon us here in this room, would transform our hearts and our minds from the inside so that we can carry your word with us out into the world. I pray that your light would shine through us and the world would be transformed by your power and by your grace. Lord, please bless Chris now as he brings us the sermon. And I pray that hearts would be open to receive the word and that we would come away here from here better equipped to serve your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Even if it means we have to play musical chairs and, and meet some new people and slide around and get a little awkward. It's okay if you haven't met the people ne you're next to because Neth made you move together. Say hi. All right. Welcome, welcome here right as we get ready to go. Um, so we are going through the Sermon on the Mount. And today we're going to finish the Sermon on the Mount. Now listen, I understand we are a little different here at Fellowship Church, okay. Um, like the Sermon on the Mount would be like a year-long series in most churches, right? And we're like, oh, we'll give it three weeks. Eh? We're going to run through. Because remember, Jesus said all of this in one sermon, right? But listen, one of the reasons that I feel so confident that we can go through the Sermon on the Mount and we can, we can dive in and listen to Jesus' words, because you guys are amazing. You guys are awesome. You guys know the Word. You study the Word. Throughout the week, right, you're opening the Word. You're getting the fellowship in path groups. And, and hopefully if there's things that you really wish we would focus on more, man, ask them in path group. Email me this week. Go, hey, I'm not sure about this thing. I'd love to kind of interact more with you. But Jesus gave this sort of as one teaching, 
meant to be this sort of one kind of overwhelming message that he wants us to bring into our life so that we can walk the narrow path, so that we can build our house upon the rock, so we can be people like Jesus, right? That's the goal of this sermon. And so as we start going through it today, we're going to just be overwhelmed. I mean, I literally looked at myself in the mirror like, how are you going to preach all this this week, right? Well, I'm not going to. It's going to be Jesus' words, right? And we're going to listen to his words more than my words today as we start going through this as well, okay? But a couple of things I want you to notice about when we start going through big chunks of Scripture, I want to give you kind of two ways to think about it because what Jesus is going to teach us here is how to live or walk in the kingdom, how to be a child of the king and to walk in this kingdom living so that we can have a joy and a freshness to the world, right? And there's really two ways that I want to encourage you as we look at this passage to go. One I was reminded of yesterday. It's called God Dots, right? Anne was doing a talk with our widow's ministry and our young adults. We were all together having this like this little get together and things like that. And Dan, her, her husband who's dancing with the Lord right now, um, he would always talk about God Dots, Right? And this would be the idea that where the Bible intersects your life, where Jesus like steps in and he does something that only Jesus could do inside of your life, that was a God dot. Right? So when you look back on your life, right? when you think back on your life, hopefully you don't see all your regrets and all your sins because forgetting what's behind, we press on toward what's ahead. But when we look back, we see how God has put together a path that makes us unique and has put us in a position to experience him. It kind of reminds me of, do you remember when you were a kid and you had the little dot-to-dots? Anybody remember these? Like this was technology for my, my generation, okay? Right? We had a pencil and we had to go like, where's the number one, right? We'd find the number one and where's the number two? And we, we'd kind of move around and, and like do all that kind of stuff. What would this turn out to be? A fish, right? Kind of a Nemo kind of fish, right? This would be a fish. What about this one? Yeah, this is a cheater one, isn't it? Shouldn't you have to do all those little lines in there? I put this up here just for Jayton. Jayton is the Spider-Man fanatic, all right? But yeah, so a dot-to-dot. So when you look back on your life, I hope that you see God's dot-to-dot that brought you to this moment today. Whether it's a hard dot or an easy dot, a celebration or a trial, God has led you to a point to experience him. But there's also another way that I think is important to look at the Bible. And this is one of the things that I love so much. It's called scaffolding. It's the idea of the Bible interpreting the Bible, letting the Bible be the main source of how we interpret it. If it's the truth, we want to take the truth to understand the truth. And so we're going to see scaffolding today inside of this sermon, how Jesus is going to take kind of one theme and revisit it and revisit it, and then he's going to live it for us to be, be an example for us. And if you don't know what scaffolding is, here's a picture of scaffolding. This is my house. Okay, um, I got to paint my house this last summer, or maybe it was a summer and a half ago. I don't know. One of these times, right, I painted the house. That's me on the roof way over there, right, being really safe and OSHA um, compliant. Right? Um, anyway, so I, we were painting the house, right, and doing these things, right. But you might notice you're like, um, Chris, you missed a spot. You want to know why? Well, because on top of the scaffolding, I tried to put a ladder, okay? Now, I got up on the ladder and I went, Nope. 
no way, right? I do not trust myself to be up there. No way. I'm going to be like leaning over, right? But sometimes we think of this as our picture of the Bible. Like there's some of it that's solid, but the rest of it's like a little wobbly. And if I get, get pushed a little bit wrong by the culture or the wind or all these things, I'll fall. No. This is more like Bible scaffolding, right? It's solid. It's holding things up. It's safe. It's connected. This thing connects to this thing, which connects to this thing, and it weaves together to make something that's strong and solid that we can trust. Me on a ladder 25 foot in the air, not a good idea, right? I mean, gravity and me, I'm shaped like a rock, okay? I'm just going, right? And so when we think about these things, the Bible is meant to be scaffolded together, connect together so we can have confidence in it. And we're going to look, as we see today, we're going to see all of this beautiful scaffolding in. So let me show you a way that we can find scaffolding when we read through the Bible. Let's go back to what Ben read a second ago. Uh, Verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And in the back of my mind, it's like, beep, 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 something happened, right? Because we've heard this phrasing before. They have received their reward, right? Received their reward in full. Why? When did I hear that again? Oh, yeah, last week at the very end of the sermon, we talked about giving. And we talked about how we should give and not let our right hand know what our left hand is doing. And how if we were able to do that, right, then we would be blessed by the Lord. We don't want to get our reward from other people, do we? Pastor, true question, right? Do you want to get rewards from other people praising you? Kind of. Okay, come on. This place would be honest, right? You kind of like it when your friend's like, good job, right? That was awesome. We kind of like that. And we should be encouraging one another and building each other up in that, right? But if we seek it, instead of seeking to praise him, our, our aim is off. All of a sudden, we're that ladder on top of the scaffolding. We're not connected to let the Lord be the one that exalts us, not us exalting ourselves. What do we call it when we exalt ourselves? Pride. And pride comes before the fall, right? Yet when the Lord is the one who builds us up, we're going to be on a solid foundation. I will build my life upon his love, like we just sang about, right? And so we see this sort of rhythm that's going through the book of, of the Sermon on the Mount, right? In fact, I want to show you some of the rhythms, right? There's this, these sets of three that are evident all the way through this sermon, right? That he's beginning to say, like, these sort of things, like, like be, if you're poor and you mourn and meekness, these are these foundational ideas, right? Righteousness, your hunger and thirst for righteousness, and you have mercy, and you have a pure heart. And then be a peacemaker because persecution is going to come and people are going to revile you. And he sort of has this rhythm of life. If you can do those things, you'll be the salt of the earth. If you can do these things, you'll be the light of the world. Right? So it has this rhythm. Then he starts talking about the law and the prophets. He says, hey, be careful of anger. Your anger, when it rises up, it's just like murder. And your lust, when it rises up, it's like adultery. Right? And then divorce is one of those things that the world has taken, a, taken onto themselves as just an escape instead of working through that healing process. Right? You don't take an oath. Let your yes be yes. Your no be no. Don't look for retaliation. Right? You're supposed to love your enemies. Love those who persecute you. Go the extra mile. Give them your tunic if they ask for it. Um, those sort of things. Right? And then we're going to see in this one. Giving, 
prayer, fasting, these are the things that we're supposed to do in secret because our God is in secret and he'll reward us in secret. You see, who we are in the secret places is who we really are before the Lord because in him there is no darkness. And even though we think we're escaping to the darkness, he is there. So let's look at it. So we don't want to receive our reward from one another. We want it to be from the Lord. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Anybody nervous to, to pray with other people around? Because you're like, I don't know, I can't pray like Ben. Ben was just so eloquent, and he just uses big words, and it just sounds so good. Prayer is not about that. Prayer is about our heart before God, wanting to know the Lord, wanting to be in intimacy with him. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Whew, isn't it good to be known that well? That they just know what you need? Like, you're like, oh, man, I'm kind of thirsty. Oh, oh, thanks. Thanks for the water, right? He just knows. He knows what you need before you even know it. He's just waiting on you to recognize he's already been at work in these situations. And then pray then like this, right? And I, we could hear it echo when he can, um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Like I flash back to the locker room on a knee, holding hands. We're all praying, right? And we kind of have this uh, sense, but I want you to look at it through new eyes. Look at this scaffolding idea because the foundational view that we have from the Sermon on the Mount is the Beatitudes, being poor in spirit, right? Mourning and we'll be comforted, meekness. And we're going to see those things even being illustrated through how we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does it mean, hallowed be your name? There's a reverence. There's an awe. He has no rival. There's no one else competing in our hearts and our minds. That when we wake up in the morning, no one else gets the throne except God. Not even me. Not even my desires. Because remember, my desires, James says, my desires lead to sin and sin leads to death. I'd rather let him be the blessed king over my life. His ways are better. Do we believe that? The narrow way is better than the wide way. One leads to destruction. One's hard, but it leads to life, right? And so, hallowed be our name. This is what it means to be poor in spirit. That we see our need for God. Jesus must increase, I must decrease. And in my life, I need more Jesus and I need less Chris Smith. All right? Y'all can amen that one. It's okay. I won't get my feelings hurt, right? That's just the truth of it. You guys want your pastor to be more like Jesus than more like me. That's what we all want. It's so every day when we wake up, Lord, hallowed be your name. Reverence, all respect goes to you. Your kingdom come. We're aliens in this world. This is not our home. Our home is in heaven. And we look forward to a day where there is no more mourning. We'll finally be comforted and made whole and be made new in this place. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what it means to be meek. You have the strength and the power of the Lord, but you're letting him guide you. Lord, not my will. Your will be done. Yes, we know it, but do we believe it? Do we believe that his will is better for our life than our own will? 
There's such a challenge. This is what it means to be meek. And you remember in the Beatitude when it said, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And we see this beautiful picture here. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay. Anybody praying this one? I mean, if you went home today and you had nothing in your pantry, you open the fridge, there's just a, a loaf of bread there. Are you like, woo, praise the Lord. Yes. I'm so excited. The food thief came in and sold everything, but I have my daily bread. Would we be thankful? Would we be excited about that? Would we be excited that he gives us? This means we need to be in need, and he becomes our provider. Give us this day our daily bread. Then he says this, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Whoo! Anybody excited about that one? Anybody? Because, again, remember our Beatitudes, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. We're supposed to forgive just as Christ has forgiven us, right? And remember, we're going to see this play out in many different scenarios um, throughout the rest of this book. We're going to see Jesus tell parables about an unforgiving servant who the king forgives him this huge debt, billion-dollar debt, yet he won't forgive his friend who owes him a few hundred bucks. How great Christ's forgiveness for us. Why can't we extend that grace and that mercy to others, even the ones in our own household, right? Blessed are we when we show mercy and we forgive those who have gone against us. And lead us not into temptation. Lord, give us a pure heart so we can see God. But deliver us from evil, right? Let us be a peacemaker, let us be called sons of God because we're not tempted by the things of the world. We're not trapped by the evil things that are there. But we're truly free in him. What a wonderful thing is for freedom we've been set free. And if you forgive others their trespass, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Oh, got heavy. Grace, extending grace. Giving people the benefit of the doubt, that's the challenge. If we want to walk the narrow way, be built on the foundation, we give people the benefit of the doubt. Then he says this about fasting. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they receive their reward. Oh, like, Eric, will you pray for me? I'm, oh, I'm fasting. I'm so hungry. That's like saying, I'm the most humble person here. I have a medal. <laughs> See, most humble award. I got a trophy, right? right? It doesn't make sense. When you're fasting, who are you fasting for? If you're fasting for others, you got your reward in full. If you're fasting to be able to hear from the Lord, nobody else needs to be, know about it. In fact, it tells them, like, put, anoint your head with oil. Wash your face so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret and, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. That when we fast, it's for the Lord. It's not for the attention of others. And it brings up this thought in my mind. True integrity is what we do in secret. Who are you when no one else is watching? Who are you when no one else is around? There, there's so many incredible things that happen in this church that you guys never get to hear about. 
I'm lucky enough that I get to hear about a lot of them, right? But there's so many people in this church that, that serve, that, that, that spend their time loving other people in so many ways that you're never going to see. But that's the way God called it because we want our reward from the Lord. I mean, we don't want people in this community to be, to be, to be oh, fellowship churches. This, this. No, no, we want the Lord to bless our church. And so you guys are amazing. Keep doing those things that you're doing in secret because that's where true integrity is found. Also, in secret, that's where our sin is found. That's why. Open the doors to your life. Open the doors to your home to other people to let them come in and help you in this battle against sin. Look what it says next. Now we're going to get in this next set of three. He kind of gives us some, some do nots, this next set of three. He's talking about do not lay up treasures here. Do not be anxious about things. Don't judge, right? These are the next three kind of sections he's going to put together in this sort of do not. Let's read them. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Highlight, mark it in my brain, that where my treasure, the things that I treasure, that's where my heart is. What do we treasure? Now, it's encouraging here. Treasure things that are going to be eternal. You know, one of the things that we need to treasure is the word of God. We see this later in Matthew 24, right? Jesus is talking to them about all these end times and the last days and all these things are going to say happen. He says, but heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. It's not a waste to open the Bible. It's not a, a waste to spend time getting to know the one true God. First Peter talks about how um, the word of God will endure forever. And what is the word of God? It's the good news preached to you. The gospel message, the story of what Jesus did will never go away. It's never a waste to spend time in prayer with the God that we'll spend eternity with. It's never a waste to spend time in the Word. It's never a waste to build up those in relationship that you're going to spend eternity with in heaven with Jesus, encouraging your brothers and your sisters in the Lord. That's not a waste. That's where we build the kingdom work. Not because we build a big gym. Not because we build a big building. All of it's based upon the Word of the Lord. It says this next. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. What do you let your eyes linger on? We've got to retrain it. That we let our eyes linger on the word, not on the things on a screen that pull us away. That we let our eyes see people differently as being made in the image of God, not because of past definitions or past things. That, no, we see one another with the love and the joy of Christ. The eye is the lamp of the body. And then it says this, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. That at any point we raise something up to the same place of God, they're going to compete. They're gonna, if you have a co-leader of your heart, they're going to split. They're going to battle. There's got to be one person that leads our life, and that's got to be Jesus Christ. That's the encouragement. You know, there's another verse that I didn't read that I just love, right? It's Isaiah chapter 40. 
verse 8, because it's a verse that I think ties this story to the next story. Right? It says, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Now, think about this. Do you believe it? Do you believe this verse is true from the Old Testament? What do you think? Yeah? If it's true, why do we worry? Because that's what he's going to say next. Therefore, I tell you. Therefore, because your treasures aren't the things of this world, because your treasures are in heaven, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Do you believe that you're of more value than the birds? Do you believe that you have value in the Lord? So he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. This is why we can live a life free of worry and anxiety. Look at verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Whew. <laughs> Memorize it. Write it down. And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour? You know what anxious thoughts do? They rob you of time. Right? Stress and anxiety is killing us. Now, I know you think this. I used to. Still do at times. I'm a procrastinator by heart, okay? I just am. I just have a tendency to like, the paper's due tomorrow. It's like 11 p.m. I guess I should get started on that, right? I, that's my tendency in school, all right, is to do that, right? But that causes the stress and that anxiety and sleeplessness. And the more and the more we live in that stress, the more and more we're going to fall short of the glory of what God wants. Stress is killing our, our world. Every moment there's a notification going off on our phone, constantly pulling our attention away to something that we need to do, something that we forgot to do, something that we have to do later. All of these things are pulling the stress, but we can't. Your stress isn't going to add anything to your life. And why? Are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient um, for the day is its own trouble. Woo! Do not be anxious about tomorrow. But, but listen, I have a big meeting. All this stuff is going crazy at work. Yeah, 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 I understand. But enjoy today. Enjoy fellowship with the Lord. Enjoy the family that you're around. Enjoy the people of God. Enjoy the worship, the time we get to spend escaping the pressures of the world to worship the one true king. Enjoy those things. Let tomorrow worry about itself. 
Guys, listen, it'll be there tomorrow. I used to do this when I come home um, from school, right? At school and coaching, there's lots of stresses, right? Lots of things going on. And I remember I would walk up down my driveway and I would touch this one leaf before I walked in to my house. I was leaving school, football, everything else behind. Guess what? It's going to be there when I come out the door tomorrow. And then I went to my, my most important job, which was being a dad and a husband. And the next morning, I'd walk out and I'd be like, Doop. all right. Just touch the leaf, right? It was a bad day. I'd rip that leaf off. Sorry. Sorry, tree, right? And I'd be like, oh, you're still here, right? And I would go to work, right? Um, because that's just the, the life we live in. Man, leave those things away so you can enjoy what God has given you in your family, in his word, in fellowship with other people. We're too busy. We're just too busy. All of us, me included. This is, you know, pray, pray for me. We're, we're just too busy sometimes. We have to stop. And enjoy the presence of the Lord. Then he says this in chapter one or chapter seven, verse one: "Judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you will use it, it will be measured to you." Woo! You're getting spicy in here. All right. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Isn't this awesome? I love this picture, right? That you, you have a speck in your eye. Anthony's got a speck in his eye, and I've got a log coming out of my face, right? I'm like, hey, you got something right there. Let me get in there. He might be like, yeah, you know how this got here? Your log just hit me in the eye. How do you think the speck got here, right? Like, take the log out of your own face before you try to help me. He's saying we should help one another, but let's be self-aware. Let's be self-aware. None of us are perfect, right? We all have specks. And listen, parents, let's not put specks in our kids' eyes because we have a log in our face, all right? Let's take the log out of our face, lay it on the ground, make it firewood. It'll heat up those things, and then we'll be able to see. Then we'll be able to help. Then we'll be able to be a help. I mean, if I had tweezers on and a log in my face, you're not going to let me, like, I'll, I'll get in there, really. Let me get in there. No, no. I'm going to go to someone who doesn't have that log in their eye, right? If the world out there wants to see the hope of Jesus, we can't be a bunch of log faces out there, right? Can't be, like, knocking people over, with our judgment. Because listen, first of all, we're not God. We're not God. Who are we to judge? We don't know their heart. We don't know their circumstances. We don't know these things. Let's leave that to God. That's God's job, okay? Here's the second thing. Judgment is a boomerang. You throw it at someone else, it's coming back around, right? And you're going to forget to duck because it doesn't just come right back right away. Sometimes it takes the long way around and it hits you in the back of the head the next time. We got to be careful not to judge. In fact, um, when, I, when I was thinking about this judge, I went back to the book of Judges. And I didn't get very far until I saw the boomerang, right? If you go back to the book of Judges, uh, chapter 1, there's this really wild story, right? It's like a dream to use this kind of obscure little weird passage in a sermon, okay? So I'm living the dream right now, okay? So look at, look at Judges chapter 1, 
verse 5, right? There's this guy named Adonai Bezek, all right? Adonai Bezek, at Bezek, and he, they fought against him, and they conquered them, right? He defeated the Canaanites and the Pezzarites. So this guy, Adonai Bezek, is the king. He gets defeated. So he flees, right? It says, Adonai Bezek fled, but they pursued him, and they caught him, and they cut off his thumbs and his big toe. What? What's going on? Why? Well, if you don't have your thumb, it's harder to hold a sword. It's harder to revolt, right? It's harder. You're, you're almost like subservient now to the one who did that. But look what Adonai Bezek said about his own judgment, all right? Here's what he said. And Adonai Bezek said, 70 kings with their thumbs and their big toes cut off, off used to pick up scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. Adonai Bezek had been doing this to the people that he conquered, cutting off their thumbs, cutting off their big toe in order to demean them, to humiliate them. And the same comes to him. This is why we forgive just as Christ forgave us. Because as we extend grace to other people, what accusation can they make against us? So we don't judge, right? We choose grace. We chose mercy because those who are merciful will be shown Mercy, that's what the Beatitudes was teaching us before, okay? And then he says this in verse 6, Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Our judgment should not be cast to the people of the world. The people outside, right, they don't have the same understanding that we have. We spend way too much time judging them, right? We need to love them. And we'll let the Lord be the one to bring conviction about in people's lives, right? Our job is to love even our enemies. Remember that passage we read that's in the same sermon? We love them, right? Spend less time judging people on Facebook comments and all that stuff, right? And let's just take the log out of our own eye. Let's judge ourselves. Turn it back, look in the mirror before we, we speak out against others, right? Then it says this, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks to which who knocks it will be open. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks you for a fish, you'll give him a serpent. If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those of you who ask? Now listen, if your your son asks you for a loaf of bread and you get a rock that looks like a piece of bread. That's just wrong, right? And it's going to cost you because they're going to chomp on that thing. You're going to go to the dentist. It's going to be ugly, okay? If we know how to give good gifts, how much greater does God, the one who gives us all good things come from above, how much greater is he a father? And then it says this, verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is called the golden rule, even people outside of this room like the golden rule. And then he, but then he says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Are you ready to walk the narrow, hard path to follow Jesus? The world's ways are easy the world's ways are easy. Serve yourself. Make yourself God. Put yourself on the throne. It's more challenging every day to bow before Christ, to surrender your sin to him, 
to follow his path, the path that he has for your life. Because even on that path, there's, there's struggles and challenges in those things. Look what he says next in verse 15. Beware of false prophets, those who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Guys, listen, there are people in the church that are wolves. There are people in the church that are going to say, yes, I love Jesus, but they're doing it for their own purposes, their own designs, their own glory, not the glory of the Lord. They don't have a meekness and humility. They have a celebration of things that bring them fame, bring them excitement. Beware. And there's really three areas that I want you to beware. And there's three kind of um, false teachers that we need to be aware of. And the first one is this, someone who's a heretic. Okay, I'm going to put a name to them, not an actual person's name, okay, although we could, right? A heretic is someone who teaches false things about God and Jesus in the Word, that they take this book and they try to twist it. Do you remember the temptations of Christ? And even Satan himself started quoting out of Psalm 91, trying to trick Jesus into to testing God in that way. Now, we have people in our world who are going to take this book and they're going to make it self-serving, they're going to teach you the wrong picture of who God is. God isn't sometimes the Father, sometimes Jesus, and sometimes the Holy Spirit. He is all three in one. He, he's, the, he's the eternal God. He wasn't created out of our imagination. Jesus, he isn't like the half-brother of Satan. Satan has nothing compared to who Jesus is, right? And so we see we got to beware. You know how we can beware? we got to know the book. we got to know the word so we can recognize. Wait, that quote that he just said on TV, that's not a quote from the Bible. That's, that's not right. And we can recognize those things. Beware of heretics. In fact, if you look in 2 Peter chapter 2, we get a very good picture of this, right? Because remember, a prophet is somebody that is saying the words of God, right? That's what a prophet is. A prophet doesn't have to be someone who's like fortune telling, the end's going to world in October 22nd of 2023. That, that's a fortune teller, right? A prophet someone who speaks the words of God, but we have to be careful because false prophets are going to be around us. Look what it says in chapter 2 of 2 Peter. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. That there's going to be people in the world that try to use the word of God for their own sensuality, their own greed, their own fame. Beware. Because a heretic is one time a false teacher, but there's also the swindlers that are out there. There are people in the world, and, and I would label the people in the prosperity gospel, this group of people, that they, they try to take advantage of the weak. They try, to, they try to change the word of God instead of being about who Jesus is. It becomes about getting this and getting that and, and manifesting the blessing and, and all these things. Are we going to follow Jesus even if we go home as only daily bread? Are we going to follow Jesus even if the way is hard 
and narrow. That's what this, this whole sermon challenges us to do, to follow Christ regardless of the circumstances that are around us, right? That's the challenge that we have. Are we ready to follow this? The third type of teacher that I see this out there is the deceiver. Beware of the deceiver that exaggerates things or embellishes things so that it, all the attention goes on them. That's not meekness. Right? What do you call someone who elevates themselves? Prideful. Right? Remember, we talked about that pride. Right? We want to see leaders that are humble, are meek. And, and you, you have my permission to call us out. Right? If you see us as pastors elevating ourselves or, or embellishing things, man, call us out. This week I had a great email with one of our, our members who was saying, hey, you said this last week. I'm not really sure if that's right. And we went through a great discussion. It was so healthy. Isn't it good to have great, good conflict? Think about it. Iron can't sharpen iron unless they hit, right? And, and it was a great conversation. We had a great time sharpening each other. And the next time I teach this topic later in the book of Matthew, I'll have a better nuance about how I teach it because of our discussion that we had this week. That's awesome. Be willing to hold each other accountable. Even me, even Chad, even Paul, all of our pastors, hold us accountable to being like Christ, right? That's our goal is to be like Christ. Why? Because look what it says next in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. This has echoes of James chapter 1. Show me by your faith but what you do, right? Show me that you have a faith in the Lord. Don't just say it. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Do we really want to just know Christ? Like heaven is where we get to be with Jesus. That's what we're promised. That, that's the beauty of it is we get to be with Jesus. And then he tells us a story. He finishes his sermon, this, this incredible sermon, Beatitudes, all these, you've heard it said this, but I tell you this, this reprogramming of our mind, this kingdom living, and then he finishes it with a story with an analogy, right? He, about two guys building a house, okay? So then he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because he had its foundation on the rock. Where's your foundation? Is it on the rock? Because then there's a second builder. Do you remember back... The rain fell. It made me think back to when it talked about us loving our enemies. It says the rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? And out of that field, it produces fruit of righteousness or thorns and thistles, right? There's another person there. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Whew. We want to be on the foundation. But let me ask you this. If you see someone building a house on sand, would you tell them? Even if they were your enemy? Or would you stand in your house and be like, hey, hey here comes the rain. Let me see, what, let me see what's going to happen. Are we excited to see people fall? Or do we want to go, hey, hey, listen, there's something underneath of that. There's a rock underneath that. You need to build on the rock. Let me help you. And if they don't listen and they're unwilling to hear the appeal, 
that's on them. But are we willing to make an appeal even to our enemies? Are we willing to make that appeal? Are we willing to love them that much that we're not going to let their house just crumble and fall? Whew. Not just sitting safely in our house. Man, this week, you're going to meet people whose foundation is on the sand. You're going to meet, meet people who put hope in the things of this world, and it's just a matter of time until it crumbles. Encourage them. Talk to them about Jesus. Tell them things that you heard from the Sermon on the Mount, which are Jesus' words to them. You see them stressing out of work, going, hey, let's take a deep breath. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Let's, let's work on what we have right before us. We have this before us today. Let's work on that, and we'll get to that other stuff later. Right? Use the things Jesus is teaching. Why? Because his teaching has authority. Look, look how he, the people viewed this sermon. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And when he taught them, it had power. And later on, Matthew's going to say in chapter 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, right? That based upon Jesus' words, that's what we build our house upon. So I want to encourage you, if you go home, take, take, might need to take the log out, right? Might need to check the foundation, make sure you're on the rock, right? And in fact, we're going to give you a chance to do a little uh, inspection right now because we're going to sing a song of response together after this. I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up. But we're going to sing a song of response. It has a couple different purposes, right? One is, man, if you have a log in your face, right, let, let, let me help. Let our pastors help. Let someone around you help so we can pray for you in that, right? If you have something in your foundation that's not quite right, let us help you in that. But if you feel like, man, I want to live these words, and that's why we're going to sing this song, right? This song is called The Jesus Way, and it's that proclamation, right? We're going to say, when people hate us, we're still going to love them, right? When people revile us and they spit out hatred against us, we're going to show the love of Jesus Christ to them, right? That's what we're declaring. We're going to live the way that Jesus lived, right? So let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the Sermon on the Mount and just... The amazing challenge that it is for our life, Lord, help us to walk the narrow way that leads to life. Lord, I pray that today, Lord, if anyone in this room needs prayer or needs encouragement, Lord, that they will come down and talk to me or talk to Paul or one of our pastors, Lord, and, and help, and Lord, that we can be praying for them. Lord, I pray in my own life that, Lord, I know I have logs in my face um, that I need to give to you, Lord. Show them to me so I can be the person that you want me to be in you, that we can all be more like Jesus. So, Lord, um, I just lift up this time of just reflection and of proclamation. May it be glorifying to you. We pray this in your name. Amen. If you need prayer, come down. Eric Pruka is up front. Paul, myself, we would love to just pray with you. But if you could stand, we're going to sing the song of declaration together. If you're helpless, I will. 
Amen. Church, would you uh, mind having a seat for just a moment? I have a few announcements. So, so the first one is, if you have ever heard of our ramp uh, ministry, we help uh, to build ramps for those who are unable to get into their homes. And so uh, that ramp ministry will be gathering this Thursday for a project. Chris will be sending out an email. But if you're interested in learning more about that, you can fill out one of the communication cards and let us know, and we'll be happy to reach out to you. Also, if you've ever heard of our hospitality ministry, this is a ministry that really is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to our church and to our neighbors. Uh, they help with things like benevolence and bereavement and uh, our events that take place throughout the year, like Night in Bethlehem, even Sunday morning getting uh, meals, uh, breakfast stuff for the worship team. So if you'd like to know more about how you might serve on the hospitality team, they're going to be gathering on October the 8th, right after third service. There'll be lunch, and it'll be an opportunity for, for you to learn more and perhaps get plugged in. And then we have something really exciting that's going to take place, and that's this Saturday, and it's going to be our marriage tune-up. Uh, 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 Pastor Chad, are you okay? Are you working on something? Hey. Yeah. What's going on? I mean, I've been in the back in the garage working on the old marriage, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh. She needs a tune-up bad. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We, got a, we, got a, we got an alignment issue. It's pulling a little too hard to her side, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, I got to, got to drain that blinker fluid. It's getting all clogged up. You know, winter's coming. We got to rotate the air in them tires. Okay. That's okay. bad, man. We got to. I don't. I need help. I need help. Okay. We, we, we need. Well, you know, I have an, a feeling since you said it's pulling too much to her side. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe you need a better right. perspective on the whole thing. Maybe a little tune-up. And I have something that is better than YouTube or any other book, yeah. and that's the Word of God. Is that better than the Chilton book? Uh, uh, yeah, so, yes. So yeah. we're going to open up the Word of God, and we are going right. to work on our marriages yeah. this Saturday. What is it, this Saturday? What yes. time? Yes, and guess what? This is, this is much less expensive than any wheel alignment you can get around town. Really? $25. That's $25. Is that $25. the down payment? No, 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 that's, that's it. Total, that's total, total, total. Not per person. That includes children's, uh, you know, ministry. They're going to have children's mm -hmm. care, uh, a mm -hmm. meal. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Yeah. It's this Saturday. This Saturday. And it's from 9 to 2. I'll, be, I'll bring her so you can fix her. <laughs> wow. Okay. Melissa's actually not here in this service. Thank I'm sure God. this is going to change. Thank this God. going to change a lot. A lot to be thankful service. for, and that's one of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Hey, I got uh, yeah, to head back. Those, okay. It's starting okay. to backfire. Great. You know, you know Please what I mean? do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so if you haven't signed up for the, the marriage uh, tune-up, please do so. As you make your way out, Colossians 2.3 says, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Chad, uh, so that's Jesus. So may you focus on the Lord Jesus as you go about your way. Have a blessed week.